Hey friends, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. This is the second episode in this season all about unconventional homesteading. So last episode, we talked about how to homestead with babies and small children. And now we're going to the other end of the spectrum and we're gonna talk about how to homestead during retirement or after retirement. And this is a topic I have had a ton of requests for and I've been waiting to find the right person to talk to about this and I found her. So welcome, Kathy. I'm so excited to have you on board. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. So I feel like this is a topic that is much needed, but not often spoken to. And it's this idea of, you know, can you continue to homestead when you, you know, you're reaching the golden years or after retirement? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? You know, I have a lot of, especially women in my audience who maybe wanted to homestead when they were younger. And now they're in their fifties or sixties. They're just now having the time to, to pursue this dream, but they're not sure if it's possible. So, um, I know you have a lot of wisdom on this topic. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind, can you just kind of give everybody a little bit of a background of your homesteading journey and what your experience has been? All right. Uh, we actually moved to Oak Hill Homestead in Oklahoma uh, 17 or 18 years ago. We were just short of 50, 50 years old. Uh, we moved from Michigan, so the weather was quite different, quite different, but that was what we wanted. We wanted warmer weather, and not as much snow. We got a lot of warmer weather. I'm not real crazy about the heat, but that's how it goes. No place is perfect. Yes. Um, we started out we still had two children at home and we were homeschooling. So we had a lot of um, hands-on labor, shall we say. Uh, the property was pretty run down. It had fences and buildings that were falling apart. So we took down a lot of buildings and we put up a lot of buildings and we put in a lot of new fences. And uh, I really do recommend that as soon as you are able to do this, to get the hard work done first while you're physically able to, you're young, you're only going to get older, <laughs> let's face it. So do that while you can. If you have help, if you have children at home, if you have them, adult children living nearby, whatever, take advantage of that and get done the hard parts first so that as you are not quite able to do that anymore, you can relax a little bit and just tweak the systems, re make repairs instead of, you know, putting starting from scratch on things. And uh, I really think that that makes a difference. I'm glad that we started out that way. It was a lot of work at first, but it was for worth sure. it. For sure. Did you guys have homesteading experience before you moved to your homestead in Oklahoma? Uh, not really. Actually, we have had quite a life. <laughs> My husband is retired Navy, so we've been all over the world. Uh, and then he joined the pastorate. So we were, again, all over the country. But in each and every place that we lived, we had, if, if we were there long enough and had, had the opportunity and the availability to uh, raise a few things, you know, I love tomatoes. Tomatoes from the garden are just so much better than ones from the store. And uh, I did have larger gardens in other places. Sometimes there would be an asparagus patch left behind by a previous resident, and I always enjoyed that. But my parents, well, both of, our, both of us, our parents grew up in the Depression. And they taught us a lot about uh, being self-sufficient, about the mindset of being independent, not being dependent on people and taking care of yourself, your family, doing what you can wherever you live. So I grew up, I spent a lot of time growing up on my grandparents. They called it a, a ranchette. <laughs> it was tiny. 
maybe an acre, shall we say? Um, but they they raised horses on that. They had uh, they had a cow once in a while. They had some goats and they had chickens. And it, it my grandmother only had that acre, but she really put it to good use. And she just taught me a lot. A lot of it I absorbed, perhaps you know. And uh, that that was what I wanted. That was how I wanted to live. So we may have not had a lot of hands-on experience with fencing and that sort of thing. We had to learn that on our own, but uh, we had, we had the, the drive and the, the desire. I think it's really notable, especially with just going back and looking at generations and the generational differences. I mean, you had the benefit um, of being in that generation that had, that you were only like barely removed from the farm. I feel like, yes. you know, you had yes. the parents who still, that was their paradigm and it wasn't that far away. Whereas like, my generation and younger generations, like it feels so out of whack that no one even knows mm -hmm. it ever happened. So I think that's really yes. a good point that you had that as a background, even though you weren't, you know, a homesteader when you moved to the mm -hmm. home, that as your foundation. Yes, it, it really was a big help, I think. Yeah. Um, so as, you know, how has your method of homesteading changed as you've reached retirement age? Like, so you, you got your homestead when you were in your, your 50s, how has that changed, if at all, as, as the years have gone by? It did change a lot, partly because when we, as I said, when we first started, we had two children living at home. They were in 4-H. Uh, so we had a lot of animals that were theirs, as well as animals that were mine. <laughs> we had quite a bunch. We had a little bit of everything over the years. Uh, and the animals were my favorite. The livestock was my favorite part. So I had a lot of them, the goats especially. And we had a, quite a few. As, uh, as the children left home, we didn't have the need for that for so many animals. Of course, we didn't have the 4-H animals anymore. And I did start to downsize just because there was only me to do the chores at that point as well. They had been helping. You know, the horses were my daughters. So she was the one that was out there doing most of the work. Uh, I had the goats were mine. So I was the one that was milking and doing most of, most of the work with the goats. But uh, yeah, the garden was mine. Nobody really wanted to help me with that. <laughs> so, um, but like I said, you know, downsize the animals over the years. Um, the garden, we'll, we didn't need as much food again after the children left home too. It was just my husband and me. So we also didn't need as much milk. We didn't need as much produce from the garden. Uh, meant That meant some less work, which was handy since it was only me doing most of the chores because my husband was still working full time. So I was doing a lot of that. Um, of course, as the years advanced, I started realizing that uh, I didn't have as much energy as I used to also. So I no longer can do a big canning session, mm -hmm. you know, where you just can all the tomatoes in one day. That is just not going to happen. I can't stand that long. My back hurts. Uh, but I've learned how to adapt to that and how to change the way that I do things. So over the years, I've just found little things that I can tweak and that has made it easier. So what kind of things have you found? Just, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty, or there's many, but give us, if you, give us some examples of things you tweak or adjustments. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I make goat milk soap and rather than do it all in one day, a batch all in one day, uh, I spend one day doing the measuring of the oils the fats and everything, get, get that all set, put that in the refrigerator. The next day or a day after, even you know, a couple of days later, if necessary, uh, I just pull all that out and actually do the making of the soap. 
So that is less standing on my feet. Uh, that works well. I do, I do batch cooking still, but it's not a one day. Oh, what was the one? Once a month cooking was what it used to be called, you know, where you did it all on a Saturday and you did a month's worth of meals. I, I don't do that. I make twice as much macaroni and cheese and put one in the freezer. <laughs> so it's really not that much work to make it, but the second one is already made. I just take it out and put it in. Um, canning, again, like I said, I can't do a mammoth canning session anymore. Um, tomatoes, as they ripe, as they ripen, I put them in the freezer. I just wash them and put them in the, in the freezer. I don't uh, take out the cores. I don't peel them, anything. It just goes into the freezer. And when I, when I have enough to can, because I'm not growing as many either, so I don't have as many all at once. Uh, when I'm ready, I just take all those out. And if you just hold a tomato, a frozen tomato under hot running water, that skin just comes off so easy that I would never go back to peeling tomatoes again. That's the way I would do it. Yeah. If I had room in the freezer, they'd all go in the freezer and then come out and be peeled that way. So much better. Um, and I only do one batch. I, I can't do more than one pressure canning batch. It just takes too long. Those are, I think those are just so common sense. And honestly, I think most people, even if they're in a different stage of life, just being busy mm -hmm. or having little, you know, babies. I did a lot of those things um, similar when I had newborns and I'm like, I can't yes. put up with me standing in the kitchen for 12 hours. So we got to go in batches or little tiny spurts. And yeah, it's just mm -hmm. super smart, I think. Yes. And it, it, it does, it works well for, uh, like you said, people with small children. Uh, if you don't have a lot of time, you know, I, I did end up working part-time after my husband, well, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. So that was uh, when I really started downsizing. Just it, I didn't have the time or the energy to take care of him, run to all his uh, doctor's appointments, the whole bit, and do all the work that I had been doing before anyway. So that was when I started downsizing. Um, that way, if I had a little window of time, I could do something. You know, that just, that just made it easier. But I did have to go to work for a little while part-time. Uh, I had some medical bills. He had medical bills. He couldn't work. So that fell to me. Mm -hmm. So I worked two and a half days a week. And in the in-between days, I mean, I would plan that. The in-between days is when I did my home study work. And I just, that was just the way it was. I had to plan it that way. Uh, I had to feed the livestock with a flashlight, both in the morning and at night, you know, it's in the winter, especially when it gets dark earlier. Uh, but you, you adapt. And having fewer animals to feed made it easier to do that. So I don't look at that as a failure that I had to go to work. It was a necessary thing. Yep. Uh, I don't think anybody should. It, it happens to everybody. You, you just deal with what life's, life gives you. Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, that really sums up what I'm hoping to drive home this season with the unconventional mm -hmm. homesteading. There is not a formula for this. It is not right. like if I don't have 60 acres in a milk cow, I don't count or I'm not doing it right. Or I'm failing. Like it's really not. It's just doing the best we can, whether it's mm -hmm. um, different stages of life, different locations, different situations, like being a caregiver or working a part-time mm -hmm. job or a full-time job. Um, it's really, it still can be accessible. And I, I love your mindset yes. of doing the best we can. Right. Right. I gave up my chickens first, all of them for a couple of reasons. First of all, I was tired of snakes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. They were bad. <laughs> Uh, when they ate my half-grown bantam chicks oh. all in one day, I found oh. three snakes in the coop that still had the big bulges from the chickens being inside of them. Yeah. That was, that was it. And then we had some roof damage on the coop. And I said, okay, I just, I, I sold my chickens to somebody at work. 
And rather than have my own eggs, I buy eggs from her homestead and I'm supporting her. Yes. So that, that worked out. Um, and it's, it's not that I won't ever have chickens again. It just wasn't time for me to have then. But as you said, a lot of people think, well, chickens are the first thing you get when you start homesteading. And if you don't have chickens, you're not a homesteader. Well, you can be. Okay. There are ways to get around that. Yes. And might I also add that buying eggs from your homesteader friend is probably going to save you a lot of money. <laughs> That's quite true. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't be saying that as like the chicken girl, but like really guys, having chickens on a homestead is fantastic, but they can, it adds up. Those eggs are not cheap. So um, That's right. That's right. Someone else's flock. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And that way I supported them too. So that they had a, a young family and mm -hmm. you know, that helped them, help them afford their chickens. Yep. Totally. totally. So what did your gardening look like during that time period? Surprisingly, I, I enlarged my garden for a while. <laughs> yes. Uh, when I downsized the animals, uh, I, that gave me a little more time to actually be in the garden. Uh, I had those, then I had uh, the two and a half days off that I wasn't working. So I could be out in the garden with that. And I just kind of focused my attention on the garden rather than on the animals for a while. And uh, it worked out well. As I said, Oklahoma gets very, very hot in the summer. But my garden was in an ideal place uh, just over the crest of the hill. So the wind blew right over the top of it. And it was shaded on, on uh, the east side in the morning so that I could work out there until 11 or 11.30 in the, in the morning before the sun hit me. If I started, you know, at the western end and then the sun would hit that first then I start moving you know close further east in the garden yeah. uh, I could stay in the shade longer and uh, it was a nice way to actually you know be outside get some exercise uh, enjoy what I was doing and yet not be out in the weather so that worked out well uh, and it gave me a time to be by myself you know refresh yes. um, do a lot of praying uh, so that, that was nice. Uh, I would have made it larger if I could, but I ran out of space and out of materials and out of money <laughs> to make it any bigger than I had. But uh, other people, you know, again, don't feel like you're, like you're a failure if you can't have a one-acre garden. Mine certainly was not that big. But do what you can. Yes. Amen. Amen. So I'm assuming, are you still working outside the home part-time or are you, are you through that season? Are you back? I retired the end of December. So I've okay. been home for three or four months now. Okay. Do you have plans to bring any of those other homesteading activities back in? Or are you just feeling good with where things are sitting right now? At the moment, I like where it is. Uh, I would like to get chickens again at some point, um, but not yet. Mm -hmm. We have grandchildren in other states. My husband does like to go and travel and see them while we can, you know, because eventually we'll get to the point where we may not be able to, well, at least drive out to see them. So uh, we're doing that while we can. So it's much easier if I don't have uh, as many animals at home for somebody to take care of while I'm not, while I'm not here. Sure, sure. And are you still on the same property that you bought initially, or have you moved to a different property? Last year in the fall, about six, seven months ago, we did move to a smaller property. Okay. That one was, it was 40 acres, the big one. Uh, it was on a, on a hillside, which was uh, very difficult to work. Not much of it was flat, actually. <laughs> it was pretty hilly. 
it was just too much for both of us to take care of it. My husband had, had been the one, of course, that, you know, cut the fields and took care of that. And he just was not able to be out on a tractor anymore. So we did move. So this, this one is smaller. It's more manageable. The house is better for our golden age. age. Um, no stairs inside. We bought it purposely so that we could stay here. So I think that, and maintenance on this house is much easier as well. So it, it was a good move, I think. It, I did struggle a little bit with feeling like a failure when we moved from the big place, but uh, I really feel God called us to be at this one. So good. I've made up my mind to be happy and I will be happy. Yes. And do you, are you still able to garden and everything there? Like it sounds like yes. you could have chickens if you want it, if you choose to have them in the future. Yes, I can have chickens if, if I choose to have them and we do have a garden. Same size as the other one, actually. Oh, good. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So best of both worlds then. Yes. <laughs> good. So if someone else is, I feel like you have, your story is really a great example of downsizing, but still thriving because you have the stage of downsizing on your 40 acre property um, because mm -hmm. of life situations. Then you, you did it again, moving to a different property. So if someone is in either one of those sorts of situations, um, do you have any specific like plan of attacks that you could offer them advice-wise, so they would know how to start this process or what to take and what to leave? Sure. Uh, livestock especially. Sit down and start thinking about what is causing the most friction in your life. If it's a species of animal, if it's one animal in particular that's always getting out through the fence, maybe, uh, the chickens with the snakes. And that's where you should start downsizing, I think. Uh, we, had, uh, we had goats. I love my dairy goats. Um, we had a fire at one point, lost the herd mm. and started over again. So I've downsized a couple of times there. Yeah. Um, I didn't need as many of them. So the ones that were flighty, I mean, I looked at their personalities, the goats that were flighty that had to be chased weren't the ones that I wanted to keep. I wanted friendly goats. I wanted well-mannered goats. Uh, the ones that I kept were definitely good ones. They all got along. They didn't jump fences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the buck goats that I had were well-mannered even when it was breeding season. And any that weren't went down the road real fast yes. because I don't want that, that personality in their offspring either. And I've noticed that, uh, oh, for instance, jumping fences. A goat that jumps fences, her kids are probably going to start jumping fences too. Okay. If you have a doe goat who is content to stay in the pen, in the field, you probably won't have any problems with her, with her offspring. So that, that was one thing that I really looked at. Uh, Horse-wise, I was knocked out a few times by a horse, a couple of horses that uh, were arguing among themselves at feeding time. Maybe they'd knock into another horse that would knock into another horse that would run into me, not on purpose, but I was there. So when our daughter moved, up, moved off to college, uh, most of those horses were hers. <laughs> Some were mine, but most were hers. Uh, I kind of went through, the, went through the line and said, okay, you have to go. I'm sorry, I love you, but you have to go. Yeah. Made it safer for me as well. Yes, yes, for sure. So I like the idea of friction. I think that's a great way. Mm -hmm to put it. It reminds me another thing I've, I've talked about it, maybe not recently here on the podcast, but in the past of the 80-20 the rule or the Pareto principle of, of basically, you know, we have all these things in our life, whether it's tasks or animals or possessions or um, 
hobbies. And really, if we're honest, only uh, about 20% of them are doing 80% of the, the function, whether that's bringing us joy or, or helping us produce food or um, producing an income. And so when I've always looking at everything in my life like that, what, what's the 20% that's actually doing the work and the heavy lifting that I actually like and what's just yes. love. And I feel like that's kind of similar to what you were doing with, with even goats, which goats are the ones I love, which ones are just kind of there and they're causing problems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's very true. The, the things that are not bringing you joy that are not making money, that are not producing what, you know, for your goals. Those are the things that you need to go, that's to start with. That's where you start downsizing. So, Uh, oh, go ahead. Garden-wise, if you don't want to spend as much time in your garden, if you can't spend as much time in your garden, uh, I would give up the fussy fussy plants first, Mm -hmm. uh, the ones that are harder to work with, that uh, need more of your time, maybe need more fertilizer, Whatever the reason is, for instance, my, my nemesis is squash because of the squash bugs, <laughs> terrible squash bugs here. And I just haven't grown it the last couple of years because I don't have the time or it's too hot or I don't have the energy to be out there searching for squash bugs every day. So I stick with the ones that I enjoy, that I know grow well here, that produce well and give me a return for my time. Yes, I agree. Have you found any tricks for just the day-to-day maintenance of a garden that have made your life easier? We started out gardening in the ground, and that was because that's what we did in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had lovely black dirt there. It rained a lot, and you just went out and basically picked your vegetables. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> I tried to, yes, I tried to do that here. Uh, what we grow in Oklahoma is Bermuda grass and Johnson grass. And my husband would go out and he'd till that garden for me. And within two months, that and I might be being generous, it was covered in Bermuda grass again. Mm. Because when you till up Bermuda grass, all you're doing is cutting those roots and giving, you know, duplicating it, propagating it, (laughs) making it worse. And it would just take over. And it's not like just going out there and pulling weeds. That stuff is terrible. You have to follow the runners and get them all out or else it's going to come right back. And without, I've learned, you have to have a barrier around the side to kind of keep it out too. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I did change to raised beds. I could put good dirt in it. Uh, there weren't as many weeds. So I didn't have to lean over as often because there weren't as many weeds to pull. And what Bermuda grass did make its way in there was easy to pull. So that has made a difference. That's made it much better. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know raised beds are a, a, a favorite People ask me a lot, you know, because we have raised beds here, uh, you know, if we mm-hmm. built them to be easier to bend over. And I mean, it does, even for me, it makes it easier. I mean, it's not as big of a concern right now, but I know as the years go by, I'll probably be really glad we've built them as tall as we yes. <laughs> on your knees. Yeah. Right. Right. And I do now have a, a garden stool that I sit on while I weed instead of leaning over or being on my knees, um, just adapting, you know, to what you need to do. Um, I can still carry a 50 pound feed bag across the yard and I'm yeah. proud of that. Yeah. But if there are a lot of them in the truck, I use a wheelbarrow <laughs> to move two at a time, which takes less time too, to get it over into the shed. Oh, I have a two wheel wheelbarrow. It has two wheels on front instead of one. That is so much easier. Yes. Um, it's just easier to push, <laughs> much easier to push. 
that was worth its weight in gold. So you, you, you use the tools that you need, you find the tools you need, you experiment, uh, figure out how to make things easier on yourself. And that's a big help. Yeah, I like that. It, it brings up another question I had that I've always been curious about. Do you find since, I mean, homesteading of any kind, really, whether it's gardening or animals or yard work, it, it forces you to be more active than the average. Yes. Do you find that the more you stay active, like I, I know there's been aches and pains as we age, but have, has it helped you to kind of just keep active and keep things flowing? Do you see a difference there? I do. I see a big difference. Uh, I'm a big fan of the term use it or lose it. If you don't use those muscles, you are going to lose them. Yeah. If you don't use your mobility and keep up at it, you're going to lose it. Uh, as an example, my grandmother sat down in a wheelchair one day and never got back up. I don't want to be like that. So I do. I push myself. I push myself a lot. Like and that. as well as the outside work, the gardening, whatever there is that needs to be do needs to be done. I'm on the treadmill every day. I am doing stretches and weight weights and the whole bit because I feel very, very strongly about that. I don't want to lose that. I so admire that. And I feel like it's, it's often the opposite. And I feel, I, I mean, I'm, I hesitate to say anything because I'm not there yet. So I, I mean, not, don't want to speak to something I don't <laughs> Just in watching people around me, I know I see folks of a, of a certain age that live in town and they're sitting all day and they age so much mm. faster than like our rancher friends who are like 95 and they're still out there feeding the cows. And I just so admire that. I'm just going to keep on trucking and keep on doing it. Mm -hmm. I know a few of those. <laughs> like, you're chicken and it's amazing. <laughs> I, had, I admired them greatly. Uh, my my part-time job was very physical. I worked for a veterinary and it was a lot of walking around. I, I worked in the office, but it was still a lot of movement and activity and up and down and finding people and, you know, helping out all the work that I did. Uh, and I knew that when I retired, I was going to have to replace that. So I have worked hard at that. Yes. So wise. So wise. Um, how, what about overwhelm? Do you find that feelings of just being overwhelmed creep in more as you get older? And if, if so, how do you manage those sort of feelings when they come up? Well, when I retired, I kind of lost a lot of that overwhelmed feel feeling because I had more time. Okay. So that was a big help. Uh, spring, of course, you know, we're in the middle of spring and there's a lot to be done. Um, I really didn't feel terribly overwhelmed. I just always knew that what I didn't get done today, I would get done tomorrow. I planned it, planned it as well as I could. This has to be done today. So that was the first thing that got done. So good planning helps a lot. Um, I don't know, just let that stress go. <laughs> just let it roll off. Yeah. Don't let yourself be overwhelmed. It, sometimes that's easier said than done, but that, that's a, a good thing to think. Yeah, good advice for everybody of any age, I would say. Yeah, yes. Um, so let's say folks have already downsized or they're getting ready to downsize. What tricks or tips do you have for people just so they can make it easier to care for the things they are keeping? Okay, let's see. Um, my chickens, for instance, when I still had the chickens, rather than, oh, they were too far away for uh, the hose wouldn't reach. Two hoses wouldn't reach. Three hoses wouldn't reach. <laughs> it was way out there. Um, Rather than uh, haul water out to them every day, I bought five-gallon waterers, seven-gallon waterers. I had two or three of them out in the coop, and I would just 
hot water once a week, fill those up. That was a lot easier than uh, trying to do it every day. Uh, sure, I'm trying to be, you know, stay active and everything, but I don't have to carry water every day if I don't feel like it. There is a limit. <laughs> there, is a, there is a limit, yes, for sure. Um, use your tools. Like I said, wheelbarrow, uh, a dolly is great for moving things around. That's my husband's preferred use. I like the wheelbarrow. Uh, use soaker hoses in your garden if you need to. Actually, even if you don't need to, put a soaker hose out there so you don't have to stand out there and wait. Okay. And along with the soaker hose, oh, I have a great tool. I have a great secret. Uh, I used to run, I had a lot of holy hoses <laughs> and that was what I would run down the hill to where the horses were. We had a tank down there, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 250 gallon tank, you know, and I'd stick the hose in there and then I'd go off to do something else while it filled up. And I would forget to turn it off. Maybe for a day. <laughs> oh, <I don't> <laughs> not, not a good thing. <laughs> Not good. I found a mechanical timer that goes on your water faucet that your hose hooks to. Uh, no electricity required, you know. You just set it for 45 minutes or whatever, and it clicks off those 45 minutes. And when it gets to the end, it shuts off the water, not at the faucet, but it the valve closes, you know. Yeah. So it's the faucet is still on, but the water is not running. That has saved us so much money. <laughs> A whole lot of money, uh, a whole lot of aggravation, you know, uh, and flooding the field. No, flood didn't flood the field after that. So that was that was definitely worth investing in. Uh, spend a little money, buy some things that you need: soaker hoses, uh, water timer, wheel two wheeled wheelbarrow, whatever it is that you need. Spend the money on it. Do it. It makes your life easier. I agree. Um, I, whenever I'm looking at, I mean, I, I like to be frugal. So I'm always looking at, well, do I need this? Can I get a buy without it? I'm always like, how much time will it save me? And what is my time worth? And exactly. Just, get the soaker hose, Jill. Just get, or get the timer. Get it. <laughs> yes. It's going to pay off really quick. Right, right. So. You will regret it if you don't do it. So do it. Yes, I, I agree. Um, how is your, I've always wondered about this. And I ask this because I've never homesteaded it without kids. Um, True. I, we had our homestead a year and then I, we had our first baby. So this has always been, I mean, we, I would have homesteaded even if I hadn't had children, but it was really a big motivation and it's been a big part of the whole experience. So I, I'm wondering when my kids leave, when we're empty nesters someday, like mm -hmm. I definitely won't need to grow as much food. I won't need 40 chickens. I won't need two milk cows. Like I'm wondering what will that feel like and how will that affect my motivation? Have you experienced any of that as your children moved away? I have. A lot of depression actually <laughs> yeah. it was kind of hard yeah. um i threw myself into the animals for a while because that was how i dealt with the depression uh kept me busy which was good and then as i sort of you know caught up emotionally mentally whatever you want to call it uh, then i was able to start letting things go but it was difficult and as i've said you know we don't need as big a garden because it's just the two of us we didn't need a lot of chickens, as you said, because there were just the two of us. So actually buying them for my friend really was not that bad because we didn't need as many of them. Um, I didn't need a lot of goat milk, so we didn't need to have 16 goats. <laughs> I miss the goats. <laughs> um, my garden was uh, my consolation. That's not really the right word. Um, 
it helped me through it. It was my friend. We'll put yeah. it that way. It helped me through that time. And it retirement, you know, even if you're in the city, retirement is very different. It takes a lot of adjustment. Yeah. A lot of give and take on both sides because neither one of us, neither one of you is used to it. Um, it's, it's been a journey. It's been an adjustment. I think we've gotten to a good place now where <laughs> when I was, when I had my job, uh, my husband would cook dinner on the days that I was not home and I would come home, dinner would be ready. And when I retired, he says, I hope you know you get to cook now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was a kind of an adjustment. I was kind of hoping he'd continue that a couple of days a week. I know. You're like, Come on, buddy. <laughs> you, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. But you've been able to kind of reorient yourself. And maybe before if you were homesteading with kids as a point of purpose, now you're able to continue mm -hmm. with that love of the garden or love of what you're doing yes. for your own purposes or different purposes. Mm -hmm. Yes. For myself. Yeah. 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 That's reassuring to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it'll change, but it yeah. doesn't have to go away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. Um, I'm trying to think. I've covered a lot of ground. I'm trying to think if I missed anything. What, 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 would, some, what would you tell your younger self? Um, knowing what you know now, homesteading after retirement, walking through the seasons you've walked, what would you tell your younger homesteading self? Hmm. Well, you're not a failure if you don't do what, what everyone else thinks you should do. Mm -hmm. And I, as I said, I am glad that, was, that we did all the hard work first. That, that was good. That, that was good. I don't know if we really planned it that way or if it's just the way it worked out, but it, it, was, it was the way to go. Do that. Uh, keep active, definitely. Uh, don't buy alpacas. <laughs> <laughs> writing that down <laughs> so. they don't do well in the heat here <laughs> okay. good to know good to know uh don't forget to worm the goats yeah goats and the worms man yes um don't give up don't give up yeah good advice for us all yes Kathy, you are a wealth of information. Thank you so much for your time. This has been very enlightening and reassuring, I would say. Just good, you know, good. I'm glad. For a lot and what it will look like for us. And I don't know that for sure, but it's just nice to hear from someone who has walked that path. So, well, thank um, you. I hope that it was helpful to a lot of people. I, I know it will be. I know there's a lot of uncertainty around this, and I think you, you just made it feel not so scary. Um, good. Wants to follow along with you online. Where can they find you? Uh, my blog is, is Oak Hill Homestead, oakhillhomestead.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, oakhillhomestead.com, or excuse me, Oak Hill Homestead. Uh, Instagram, again, Oak Hill Homestead. And uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I, okay. I do what I can. Don't have a lot of time for social media, sure. but I do what I can. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.